the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we are at the NRB event in Dallas, Texas with musician Joshua Aaron. He is an award-winning American-Israeli independent singer and songwriter, and he lives in Israel, but he's here in Texas today. Joshua, welcome, welcome. to the show. Shalom, y'all. Shalom, what they say down here? I, lo- I love it. <laughs> I love it. Joshua, you know, in kind of the vein of the missional life, you're American, uh-huh. but you moved your family to Israel. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? You know, when and why? Well, I'm American-Israeli. My mother is actually Israeli. She was born and raised in Israel, in Haifa, Israel, northern Israel. And um, so getting my citizenship was actually quite easy because, according to Israeli law, I'm an Israeli born abroad. Even though I was born in the States, I was able to get my citizenship automatically. So it made it a lot easier. But it's not really the same for most people who try to move to Israel or try to get citizenship there. Um, you have to prove your parent is Jewish, and then they do a thorough background check on you. So my mother is Jewish, but she's also Israeli, so they didn't do the thorough background check. I just had to prove she's my mother, so I can be as open a believer as I can, and they can't kick me out. Uh, they, they do have, um, in the law of return, it's called Aliyah. Every Jew has the right to move back to the homeland. And um, the, there's a clause that says, unless you've changed religions. So they don't apply it to anybody except Messianic Jews, Jews who believe in, in Jesus, you know. So um, I, I have friends who have major problems or have been denied citizenship. Both parents are Jewish and they can't because they're, they believe in Jesus. Um, I think that might change with the new government. Um, Netanyahu, who, who was, I think, a pretty good prime minister, but he, the only problem, big problem was he always had this ultra-Orthodox ultra uh, organization that's in charge of immigration. So they were making sure specifically that specifically we weren't, our people weren't growing in Israel. Um, so, um, so it was a blessing to be able to come as an Israeli born abroad citizen so I can sing as loud as I can and they can't kick me out. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. So you took your family there. I did. Yeah. And tell us about your family and just tell us some of the reasoning, you know, the intentionality, the missionality. Oh man, I don't know how, I might have to go back a little ways. Sure. So sure. my wife and I, my wife Jeannie and I were married 19 years, five kids, um, 17 down to three. And, um, but Bahor and I both grew up in the same area, um, Northeastern Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, so go back a little further to my mother when she moved, um, uh, she was born in Israel, born in Haifa moved to uh, the other promised land of the Jewish people, as I say, New York City. <laughs> uh, and then she, uh, one summer, went to a summer camp in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, about mm-hmm. a couple hours from New York City, where she met my dad and uh, settled in Pennsylvania. And I was the baby of five. And my mom got saved in 1977 through a Messianic rabbi, a rabbi that believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, she, uh, she always said, I, I completed, she be, said, I became a completed Jew and I accepted my rabbi, awesome. Jesus, mm-hmm. Yeshua. Um, so I, 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 my mother, when she left Israel, it, uh, she left um, an adopted brother. They both were given up for adoption in Israel. They're supposedly, so supposedly my mother was the first adopted Jew in the modern state of Israel. Because she was born in January of 1948. Israel was reborn in May of 1948, and she was adopted just after that. And uh, so she was separated from her brother. And um, 
of course, went to America a decade or so later. Um, but then uh, she didn't even know she had a brother. Her adopted parents never told her until she was uh-huh. a young adult, uh-huh. her adopted mother. So life just went on for 50 years of separation. And then one year, 1998, my uncle was uh, on a television show. He never left Israel, my mother's brother. He lives still near north of Haifa. And um, he was on a television show where they were going to help him find his family. Um, and they, they aired the show, and they, he told his life story surviving all these wars in Israel. And, um, and he landed on the story of being having his sister taken away from him and, and always looking for her. And the host said, well, thank you for coming on the show. He put a phone number on the screen, and he said, if anybody in Israel has any information, call this number, and we're going to help you find your family. So he looks at my uncle one last time on the show, and he says, thank you for coming. Before you go, though, we have something special for you today. We have a special guest in the audience. <laughs> it's your baby sister, Hannah, my mother. Aww. They actually had already flown my mother out to surprise him on this show. And mm. I was 19 years old. It was 1998. Maybe I might have been 20 by then. Um, and it was 1998, and it was Israel's 50th Jubilee year. And I remember my feet hitting the ground and... Um, Meeting my uncle, he's the sweetest man, looks just like my mother, and he also had five kids, just like my mother had five kids. Mm. They both loved Elvis, like I guess everybody did at that age. <laughs> um, and, um, but but w- what floored me the most was that uh, my uncle and the majority of Israel were, were secular. Like you'd think they're all religious to some extent, but they're, they don't even believe in God, you know? Mm. Um, and I was just floored as a Jewish believer in Jesus. I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe they didn't. They didn't believe of all the places, the countries where, you know, where you someone would at least believe in God the Father. Um, there was a majority, you know, that didn't even believe that, or at least wasn't practicing in any way. And um, I just wanted to see them saved. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted them to know the, the Son. I wanted them to know Amen. to truly know the Father's to know the Son. So um, I, I just started this. Uh, just was birthed in me. I need to come back mm. someday with my family. Well, I didn't have a family yet, and um, I did. I did. I've been there seven years, um, and um, loving on the Jewish people, loving on my people, and being openly uh, a believer in in a land that uh, in the land of the Gal on the Sea of Galilee, where two thirds of my rabbi, where two thirds of his miracles happened. Uh, the Bible says he preached in all the synagogues in the Galilee. So if you find any ancient synagogue, my rabbi taught taught there. You know, it's, it's just mm. it just it blows me away. So we're in the water all the time and just trying to just soak up the reality of how real. Even the parables, you look around, you see sheep, and you're like, oh, he probably was pointing, pointing like in this hill or, or, you know, the fish. Like, and this is the lake where all those these miracles happen, you know. Um, so it's been really inspiring for me as a, as a singer as well. Uh, as that's pr- basically what I do to share my faith is through songs. Yeah. So what is that like with your family? You know, we'll get, we're going to get to music here in just a second but you know what is that like as a family being there and with your with your children um there what is that like being christians in the midst of a very jewish and secular state um i mean it's, it's definitely different we, we thank god we chose a, a region that's a little bit more um laid back a little more um the heartbeat of israel is the kibbutz i don't know if you know what a kibbutz is it's like um so those of you who are listening who don't know um it's like a compound, right? What would you say, right, Dan? You, yeah. Um, it, it's like the early way Israeli settlers survived. Yeah. 
a commune. Yeah, work yeah, together. Com- a original kind of commune in a good way. Yes, um, <laughs> because they there weren't there were always Jews in Israel. They didn't, you know, um, but they're always having hard times with the, with the other population. So they'd have to build these little walled communities, and they'd, somebody would farm, somebody would watch all the kids, um, and somebody would work, you know, boxing things or whatever. So they always had somebody doing uh, delega- delegating equally um, and these. These, these compounds or com- communes, um, they're, they're not the same anymore. Now they actually all have industries now. Mm. They've, they're not communist, look, you know, things now. <laughs> yeah, I remember like the, 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 what I remember is from each according abil- to ability to each according to need is what mm. kind of the, uh, was kind of the. Uh, yes, yeah. So my uncle, when he was adopted, he do- was adopted into one of the older ones. And he said he remembered, like, his, he didn't go home at night. They went to a, a room where all the ki- children went. They, it was kind of a survival stage in Israel's history. Mm. So we live um, near near those. We, we live, um, actually, my kids go to school at the oldest kibbutz in Israel, kibbutz Ganya, the Ganya. And it's right on the corner of the Jordan River and the Sea of Galilee. Um, so, like, one of their their gym or classes is called Yamiya where they learned how to sail on the sea of Galilee. <laughs> so it's, it's quite, it's quite amazing. But, but, um, with that said, the kibbutz lifestyle typically aren't religious at all. So they wouldn't, they don't care as much, which is good and bad. You know, we, we wish they knew the Lord and we wish they knew God. Um, so a lot of them were the first believers in Yeshua they've ever met. Especially my kids' friends, like we're the, they're the first. So what is that again? You believe in Jesus? And they're like, yeah, yeah, his name's Yeshua in Hebrew, and we believe he's the Messiah. And they're like, okay. Like, they're just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some groups, if we lived in an ultra-religious neighborhood, they would be very upset that we were even in the neighborhood because um, historically there's been a lot of bad things done to our people mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. Truly. Mm-hmm. Um, the Crusaders, namely, came mm-hmm. in with crosses <laughs> in one hand and a sword in the other, saying, choose Christ or die. It wasn't know? that great of a witness, was it? It, it mm-hmm. was, it, it, it's lasted generations. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where my grandmother that I grew up with, my, my mom's adopted mother, who's also Jewish, just like her real mother, but my adopted grandmother used to spit on the ground if we said Jesus. Wow. She, wow. Tui, don't say that name in my house. So it, it, it's, we picked the neighborhood uh, that's more... Um, receptive or at least accepting of us and but my kids are very open my, my daughter did a report on yeshua and jesus in her high school class mm. <laughs> awesome and so it's been a it's been, for, for us it's been amazing to be able to be a light even if it's just planting the seed hopefully somebody else will come water and the sun will come and um yeah, but but it's been it's not always easy if you're asking you're asking about the family right i i'm um, so it's not always easy because America really is comparatively one of the best countries to live in as far as ease of life. There's always, um, there's, a, there's always Walmarts. There's always things that <laughs> <laughs> have whatever you want, you know. And, and in Israel and a lot of countries, it's not quite like that. And, um, but when you know you're called to be somewhere, God provides. And for me as, as the spiritual leader and for my wife, as leaders of our home, we, we, uh, when you know God's called you somewhere, doesn't matter even if it's difficult so like there's no other there's no other way you know mm-hmm. and uh with with that in mind it's been it's been quite amazing how god has got us through things and the first year we moved there it was quite terrible um <laughs> um my daughter had scarlet fever twice 
in a year. My son got bit by a spider, which I've never heard of, actually. It's not normal. So if anybody's going to Israel, don't be worried. (laughs) We don't know what happened because I've never known anybody since then or before then that ever had something like this happen. Um, He got bit by a spider, and his arm was, like, infected from his fingers to his shoulder, like, (laughs) swollen three times the size. And we were scared to death they might take – he's fine, by the way. We were scared to death they were going to take his arm. Like, it it was so, like – Trauma, that first year was so traumatizing. We didn't have any money, so we were like taking a taxi between my wife and I to the hospital to stay with my son. We was in the hospital for two weeks, <laughs> mm. and uh, I think God was just trying to like, was preparing us to for you know an, a non-American life where things are a little harsher and a little. And that's not that's not Israeli life normal. Israel is very modern, but there are just some things that aren't the same. You know, if you go to the you know the lumber yard to get some lumber, and you say I like some screws with that, and they're like, well. You got to go to the hardware store mm. for the screws. <laughs> like it's 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 very old school mom and pop kind of, you know, it, it's not a lot of Walmarts, you know, at least where we live in the Galilee. But everything other than that, everything's very modern. Um, but, you know, a trip to the government office is never a trip. It's always four trips. You know, there's always there's always something to do three times. Uh, it takes three times. Uh, uh, it takes three times the time, you know. Yeah. Mm. Wow. What an, but I love how where God where God calls you he's going to provide and and mm-hmm. with that he's you've been able to develop yourself into you know quite the, um, an influential musician god has developed you know a, a, a gift in you and tell us how you began to use that gift and how um how that's developed you know for me personally i um i know the song the blessing mm-hmm. and i i saw the video of you doing this with mm-hmm. your son and i love the imagery yes. and i'm not i don't know hebrew mm-hmm. culture or, or israeli culture uh, well, but I know that you've you've kind of inserted so many <laughs> different image, just different images in there. Can you talk to that a little bit um, about so how you moved into music and then kind of some of the videos and how you've kind of integrated your kids into sure, um, absolutely, videos? absolutely. Um, uh, well, I you know I really try to incorporate my family as much as I can. Amen. Even the time the times when they don't want me to sing, uh, they don't, <laughs> don't want to sing with me. I'm like. You have to come on. Let's go. Let's go. There's one song I did with my wife, and she's just so she's so sweet and shy. She's like, "No, I can't do it. I can't do it." I'm like, yes, you can. So I brought all the recording apparatus into the kitchen, so it was as comfortable as possible, and we just recorded her vocals for this one song we did together. And now she's happy that we did it. And my kids, we did a song called "You Are Holy" as for me and my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, you know, I did it with one of my first daughter, Emma, my fir- only daughter. I have four boys after her. And um, a song called He's Coming Again. I did a f- music video with her. So that just started the trend. And then after that, it was my son, Shuki, uh, for a song I, I wrote called Every Tribe with an Indian chief, a, a Christian Indian chief uh, in En Gedi, the place where da- King David was uh, hiding from Saul and cut off Saul's robe. And then now this one is my third son. I did um, The Blessing. Uh, it just came out. Carrie Job just had just written it with uh, Stephen Furtick and a couple other guys. Carrie's husband and... Um, uh, what's his name? Brown. Um, yeah, other, uh, uh, Stephen Furtick's worship leader. And um, they actually called me up because uh, they heard me singing on my back porch first at our music house that we have in the Galilee overlooking the lake. Because this is already a Jewish prayer. It, we, I already, we all know it by heart in Hebrew. Mm. So when they sang it in, sung it in English, I felt like this mantle of I need to bring it back home. Yeah. So now that all these Christians know this song, uh, I'm, let me just tell them how it was sung, uh, the, the, how the words actually are in Hebrew, the original language. So, so I got a call from Stephen Furtick asking me, you know, these these rooted questions, like okay, like, like the roots of that message or the roots of that prayer. 
and we had this amazing conversation for about two hours, well, two different calls for an hour each, talking about uh, the power of this prayer. It's the only prayer that God himself taught us to pray, God the Father. You shall pray this over the sons of Israel. Wow. So, um, and, I, and if you fast forward uh, to Jesus, the Bible says, uh, before he ascended in heaven, as he's ascending in heaven, he reached out to bless the disciples. Like, this is the last prayer. So many scholars would say it was definitely number six, the blessing. Um, and it's just the idea of reaching out. The priestly blessing, they actually did reach out their hands, and they had like a position of their hands, so it represents two sheens, like El Shaddai, God's all-sufficient one. And, um, you know, some scholars believe that that was actually what he was doing, a priestly blessing over his disciples as they go to cha- transform the whole world. Uh, but the prayer was you know, to be over the sons of Israel. So here I am, my son. We we're back in the homeland of Israel mm. as the scattered ones, but coming back, as the prophet said. Um, so I, I wanted to incorporate my son uh, so that uh, it would be a, that imagery of an, a literal sense. We're, not, we're blessing people, and that, that's the pattern that even Jesus fast, you know, trans, you know, transferred in, uh, to, the, to, the, to the nations as well. But this context was that the sons of Israel, and here I am, I have the son of Israel at the, at the, cote, at the Wailing Wall or the Kotel mm. next to the Temple Mount. And I wanted to, to show that visual, the reality of, of uh, the context of that prayer right in, in Jerusalem. Wow. Absolutely amazing. Mm. And, you know, when you watch that video, it's just so heavy. Mm-hmm. with anointing it's just so heavy with imagery you know from somebody i also do music um and you you just you just sense that and you know even i think there's probably some imagery with some of the the tassels potentially yeah can you i think um like the talit itself mm-hmm. the the chupa yeah i mean there there are prayers that um uh, for instance uh, yom kippur that's a prayer I, I brought my sons to the synagogue in my local synagogue and there's a prayer where you just, the Father, it's just, there's a part of that service on, on Yom Kippur, which is the, the Day of Atonement, where you're supposed to cover for the sins, mm-hmm. and uh, where a father, the priest of the home, would wrap his talit over his children and pray over them as well. So, mm-hmm. And you do that in, your, in this video, correct? Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Wow, amazing. So, well, praise God. you know, you're probably one of the few worship leaders that has actually had the opportunity to lead worship there at some of these historic sites uh-huh. in Israel. Tell us what that's like and what, what did you have to do in order to have the opportunity to do the, that sort of a service? Uh, I mean, it's just by the grace of God, you know, it's surreal. But getting the right team, you know, I've got a, a Jewish believing friend who's got a, a, a media company there that handled a lot of the logistics and, uh, you know, the, the, the stone throwing. He made sure there's nobody showed up to still throw stones because... <laughs> There's not, you know, there are Christian groups that come in, but we, Israel, Israel loves Christian international groups. They can believe whatever they want to believe, but Jews aren't supposed to believe in Jesus, you know. That's just the one thing that's in their minds, you know, and I learned that from my gra- growing up with my Orthodox grandmother. Um, but, um, I mean, the, the, we did a live album at the Tower of David and just inside the old city walls, which has never been done before. A Jewish believer, Israeli, uh, Israeli American, but Israeli uh, band doing a, a, a messianic concert inside the old city walls, you know. Mm, so we were waiting for the stones to be thrown at <laughs> us, but thank God it was, it was just it went smooth because it was an official event. You know, we rented it from the Tower of David Society or whoever runs the Tower of David. That it was we didn't have any problems. Thank God. I mean, just five six months before that, there was a messianic concert in the modern city of Israel, just a half a mile up the street on Jaffa Street, and 
or ultra-Orthodox stormed the place, and they, they actually police had to come and break it up. They didn't wow. want them recording uh, Messianic stuff, songs about Jesus, about Yeshua, and they actually stormed the place. And here I am just <laughs> right next to the Jewish quarter, <laughs> a literal stone's throw away. <laughs> uh, so by the grace of God, we were able to, to record it and get everything uh, out, out there onto YouTube for all to see, you know, praise God. Wow. And so you are an independent musician. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that journey. How did you begin to develop, you know, your, your skill set, but then kind of begin to uh, move into creating a following and creating these videos? And, you know, just how did you how did you do that? And what what were some of the inspirations that you had kind of as a musical influence? Well, you know, I went to business school. Uh, I only went for two years. I, 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 I was going to go for my bachelor's, and I thought, let me get my associates, and then I'll s- assess. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of college. I, I, per, for me, not for the world, for sure. me. I'm more of a really hands-on person. Really, I hate like uh, classroom environments. I just, it's just not my thing. So um, I, before I went to college, I took a year off, mm. traveled the world a, a bit, and then I worked at a student loan agency. <laughs> where I handled the phone calls of all the people that couldn't pay their loans, like doctors and lawyers and pilots sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this college, in, what is college doing to people? Um, so I decided I'm going to go to college, get a business degree, but I'm going to stop at Associates, see if I'm, I'm liking it so I don't spend too much money. And I didn't learn much at all. I really didn't. I didn't like it. But I got that little piece of paper. So I didn't, I didn't go for my bachelor's. I, I started an ice cream shop with my wife uh, right before we got married, Josh and Jean's ice cream. Josh and Jean's. Um, so I always had some sort of small business. Mm-hmm. Never was successful. I mean, I was successful in the sense that I, I didn't have to work for anybody. But I was never was wealthy or never did really well. But I always had a business mind, you know. Um, and when it came, when I, when I finally found in 2009 what I was called to do, I was all in. I told my wife, this is it. I mean, if, if I don't make money, this is it. So... If, if anybody knows the digital world, 2009 was probably about the time everything exploded. You, if you look mm-hmm. at any big YouTuber, they started in 2009 or 2010. Like yeah. all of them, all the big ones. And you, know, you think they're great, and they are, but it was timing as well. Like mm. If you look at the, all the big ones, even the, the game, gamer YouTubers, they, all my, like my kids watch, it was 2009. So it, it helped, although I'm nowhere near their level, uh, these big YouTubers, but I was able to find a... Uh, the timing of it re- have an outlet of reaching people um, through the the digital world uh, w- streaming world without having to go through a label um, but there was a little season a couple years later where I was approached by a label and two different times same label and I just knew I wasn't supposed to do it because I it was a Christian contemporary label and I just uh, assessing as a Jewish person who's delved into the business world, I, I just was assessing how they would help me because I, I'm not a CC, I'm not a Christian contemporary singer. I'm something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they would have fully understood. And if it was the old days, um, maybe when you invest $200,000, in an album because you're going to be selling this physical, chunky piece of product, you know, when you're traveling all everywhere. Um, so I, I, I determined I wasn't going to sign it with a label unless it was something, you know, very significant. And, uh, but I was still all in. So we were pretty poor for, uh, most of the, my career because I just kept everything I made, I put it back in mm-hmm. and we did it. We ran it as a for-profit, just like any musician. So when I went to Israel and they asked me what I do, I'm a, I'm a professional musician. I didn't have to say I'm a nonprofit worship leader because that was very foreign to them and very suspicious to them. Mm-hmm. I- Israelis smell, smell fakeness 
more than anybody in the world. Hmm. How much money do you make? Like they'll ask you crazy stuff. You know what I mean? (laughs) So how do you make money? You know, people send you money and what do you, you know, they just ask you so much things. So I can honestly say I'm a professional musician who happens to be a Messianic Jew who believes in Jesus, you know. So really, and what has helped is, oh, and they're like, where? And like, okay, I'll show them, whoa. 19 million views on, like they're, they're just floored when they see something that that, that mm. speaks to them yeah so for me it was never about trying to be somebody it was just trying to point them to this somebody yes and i just found my tool and i went all all in a few mentors along the way like uh, don finto um who was michael w smith's pastor and amy grant's pastor that's that, when they started who loves israel and he encouraged me about five years ago about i told him i was struggling with the joshua aaron brand like i don't like being Joshua Aaron, like saying, hey, yeah, look at me, I'm, look at, you know, and he, he kind of encouraged me that God gave you a platform, mm. you better own it, and he was saying he had the same struggle where he'd be invited to, to preach, and he'd be like, why don't you ask Pastor Jojo, Joe Smith or somebody, and he felt convicted, like, God's like, I gave you a platform, don't you dare hand it to anybody else, so mm. about five years ago, I, I became more intentional, even more intentional at, at the, uh, the, the uh, encouragement of one of my mentors, uh, Don Finto as well. I love that you, you, that you you found what you were supposed to do, and you just went all in. I've been praying for that since I was a teenager, so it was it was quite the amazing thing to find that and just determine I'm all in. <laughs> and then you know, even though it was hard, you you guys you said didn't have a lot of resources for a while, but yeah. you guys were all in and you were committed to see it through. And I just love that because that's such a testimony. Because so many times when people find what they uh, that they're supposed to do, it's it takes a little while to build. It takes some time to develop, and you, but you've got to go all in, and you've got to trust that God will provide Amen. and see it through. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So let's keep on moving forward in, in, with this music. Um, you've got several different projects, but you've got a newer one, uh, a new album called Cover the Sea. Oh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Kind of where does the, the name come from? What Kind of <laughs> tell us some of the inspiration behind that. Um, this album really is about introducing you like there's a line in one of the songs let me introduce you to my teacher the rabbi from the Galilee <laughs> and it's really just has it's kind of a more of a Mediterranean Middle Eastern feel musically I've done a couple of these now EPs where it's just more modern Middle Eastern feel and I just I get more explorative uh, musically and it's it's just so much fun right um, um, I did that one during during quarantine in my <laughs> studio in the Galilee and uh, that was pretty easy, actually. It was pretty awesome. And one of my friends in uh, uh, in Nashville was uh, uh, mixing it, and, but I was recording everything pretty much in in my studio in uh, the Galilee. Um, yeah, it was fun. I actually did a music video with one of my kids there, my my, my son Levy, my seven year old. Uh, we also have a song, "Spirit and the Bride," where I'm riding a horse uh, along the Sea of Galilee, um, uh, singing from Revelation, "The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, Haruach veHakala." Um, and um, yeah, that was a that was a, that was a fun album because I was just just declaring, you know, the, the greatness of the, the Messiah Jesus Yeshua and and His coming, uh, His coming again. And so, cover the sea. Where where does that title come from? Oh, the Sea of Galilee, or, or but does, is there another meaning behind that? Maybe I didn't catch it. No, no, no. It, um, uh, it's it's about it's it's come from the the the, the Bible. Uh, let His um, Oh gosh, um, the, the the line in the song is "Let His Word cover you and me like the, like the water covers the sea." It's just a scriptural reference. Wow. Yeah. 
Let his word cover you like the waters cover the sea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about, um, I think you've kind of developed into more, you know, with that business. You also take, do you offer, take people on tours there in Israel too? I, actually, in 2009 is when I started that as well. Every okay. year I brought groups since 2009, BC, before COVID. Before COVID, uh, awesome, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and, and we're still right now we're doing virtual tours uh, of Israel. So we're just still trying to connect, be a bridge to, to people. But yeah, in 2009, it was small groups. Every, you know, we'll have churches come, um, you know, there's even like three or four years in where I had like, we, we usually price it at 20 and up and the prices are priced for that. If it's less, it's cost us way much more money for our land companies to, to run. So there's like a couple of years where I lost money because I did refuse to cancel things. Um, so we've been doing it a long time, 12 years now. Um, we've got one coming out up, up in October, God willing, if Israel lets everybody come in. <laughs> what do you, what do you, when you do those tours, what do you f- see um, as most, I guess, moving or inspirational to those that are visiting Israel for the first time? What are some of the things that stand out to you for those visitors? I mean, there's, I'll start with the overall. It, they all say, basically, it's the, it's the Bible comes black and white to color you know, to full color. Mm. Um, I think it, it varies for a lot of people. The baptism is a huge uh, thing for, I'd say, 20, 30% of the people. Um, just the Galilee's huge, Jerusalem's huge. Um, um, meeting Jewish believers is really one of my goals. So um, we always have a Jewish-believing guide that can share their testimony, how, how they got saved, how their family got saved and what God's doing in their life and their part of the country of Israel. And, um, that's always one of the big highlights for our, our guests often, especially people who have been there before with a non-believing guide, which is, every tour guide is pretty amazing. I always hear, my guide was the best. My guide was the best. Like, <laughs> they're great guides. They're, they're trained well. They know how to work with people. They're amazing. So, but um, we, I, try to use, I always use specifically Jewish believing guides that believe in Jesus. And... For, for those of people that are, are wanting to reach Jews, like what do you see as the main barrier for for sharing the gospel with those in Israel that are that are, are that are Jewish? Well, I mean, ignorance. I say this in the kindest of words. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they we have people show up on you know they call them uh, what do they call it? Uh, uh, um, oh, Jerusalem syndrome. Have you heard of Jerusalem Syndrome? Wait, educate us. No. So there's a thing that Israelis know about. It's called Jerusalem Syndrome, where a Christian will come, and they think they're like a, a long-lost prophet, and they, they act like it, and they're screaming at everybody, and which could work in some cultures, but Israel, they just already know that this guy's got Jerusalem. He's crazy. He's got Jerusalem <laughs> Syndrome. <laughs> um, and they've been preached at for hundreds and hundreds of years and forced uh, to c- conversions, and, and they know all this history. So really to reach Jewish people is not like the average people group where you show up and do a, a crusade, as you call it. That's a really bad word in, in Hebrew. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, crusade is a really, everybody knows what a crusade was in Judaism, mm. you know. So you could say that anywhere else, but in Israel, we had liter- crusades where the guys came to our country wow. and killed us, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, you, you know, it's, it's very different. So it's, it's much more understanding the people. I mean, Jesus went into the synagogues and then met them outside the synagogue. It was, it was meeting the people where they're at, um, not trying to know, um, not trying to tell them you're, you're, you've, you've found the way as in an arrogant way. 
to bring yourself low and say, I want to say I'm grateful. You know, Paul says, don't boast uh, in your salvation that they were cut off so you can be saved. No, they, it's because of them and their pro- the prophets. It's the root that supports you. So yeah. I think approaching that in a biblical New Testament way, like Paul, Paul said that very clearly mm-hmm. to come. I, I, one of my you know, Gentile friends will say, I always to say, thank you so much for, for thank you so much for, for, for your, your, the, the Old Testament for the prophets because that's how I found out my Jewish, uh, my, my Messiah, Jesus, you know, your Messiah. Um, just this honoring and honoring way, you know, as opposed to coming in and saying, I found it. You don't know, you know, there's, that, that uh, will not reach Jewish people. It never has, you know. So good. Yeah, no, gen- as Gentiles, and Dan and I too, like we're the ones who we're blessed to be grafted in. And I think just learning more about um, the, just Judaism is really the foundation for Christianity. Yeah, Without it, it wouldn't exist. And I think it's so important for people to understand that. And like you said, just respect. Yeah. It's Amen. just incredible. So even even when I do concerts, um, I'll always assume there's a few non-believing Jews in the in the room, and I'll, when I word things, I'll try to word it as a way, uh, like I'm speaking to the, the the Christians in the room, but I'm really also I'm speaking to them in a gentle way, you mm-hmm. know, like I'll be thanking them that, that they're part of my family, and you believe in a, the, the greatest rabbi that ever lived, but <laughs> you know, there's no other rabbi, no other Jewish person that's flipped the world on, upside down so that the Gentiles decided to change the calendar after this Jewish rabbi from Israel, you know? <laughs> like just trying to r- remind them of how amazing Jesus is and how he flipped the he. There's nothing you can say. Uh, nobody can say there's anybody greater than him that lived on earth. Any Jew, no Jew can say that as far as influence, let alone believing him as the son of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great approach to kind of, because they, they work with fame. This is so funny. They, li- they like to talk about that. My grandmother used to, she'll talk to anybody if there's somebody. <laughs> uh, and I think, I think that's always been a good re- approach for me to talk about Jesus as, you know, he's the greatest being that ever lived. And he's from right here. He's from mm-hmm. our backyard, you know. He, that's where I go fishing. That's where he walked on that water, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, I try to skip Christian history and go straight to first century if I can in Israel. Wow. Yeah. What an amazing perspective. Mm-hmm. Skip Christian history and go right to wow. <laughs> first century, really. <laughs> it, it, otherwise, you're going to have to dig, not with a shovel, with a backhoe, you know, <laughs> through, mm-hmm. uh, through history that they, are, that they know about. I didn't even know about growing up. They, they, Martin Luther wrote some terrible things about the Jews in his later years. Yeah. He did some great reforms, but he actually wrote ter- specifically to the Jews about burning down synagogues, taking their mm-hmm. possessions from them. Uh, Hitler used his stuff as references. So I'm yes. so, so sorry for any Lutherians that are listening here. <laughs> he was a good guy most of the time, but towards the end he, he had some, he said some terrible things mm-hmm. that are unchristlike uh, in Christianity, you know. Yeah. You know, Kind of in, in closing, looking ahead, there as we look at scriptures, we see a lot of prophetic things coming to pass. Uh-huh. What is that like being in the Holy Land as these things begin to come to pass? And is there a sense among Jewish people that, that they see some of this as well? Or what does that look like as a Christian, the Messianic Jew, being in the Holy Land and seeing some of these begin to really come to a close? Uh, I, I think a lot of, most majority, like I said earlier, majority don't really follow track with, with prophecy, but there are a lot of religious um, 
if you ask any religious Jew, when's Messiah coming? He's coming any day, any day. He's coming. They don't know it's the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's coming any day. There's a great anticipation among the religious community for mm-hmm. sure. Secular community, it's almost, it's so frustrating to me all the time. Like, don't you understand? Like, I want to remind them, there's never been a country that's been a people that's been scattered for 2,000 years and gathered again in the history of the world mm-hmm. where language was dead and then brought back again. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I, I, I just, it makes, it baffles me that they don't see that. It's right in front of their faces. Uh, but, the, but the Orthodox community really does see the imminence. And they actually see this l- love of Christians for the Jews as a prophetic sign as well. And because the Gentiles are going to come and grab, grab a seat, seat of a Jew and say, teach me. I mean, in, 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 uh, there's, there's this understanding, a general understanding that the Gentiles will love Israel someday um, as a whole. So, um, um, I, and, you know, the Bible says that in the last days, all the Jews are going to have to come to Israel to celebrate uh, the Pentecost, Shavuot, or, or Sukkot, sorry, Sukkot. And if they don't, they won't get rain. And that's, that's in the Bible, you know, like this is future, you know. This is, but um, there's this, this understanding that there's going to be a wave and I think that's caused a lot of religious Jews to be like, huh, is this a sign? Is this a sign, you know, of the return of Messiah? Wow. Absolutely amazing. So how can people connect with you? I know that um, many people already know about your music, but what's the best way for people to connect? Tell us more about your YouTube channel. Tell us how they can connect and learn more about the the tours that you offer there in Israel. Yeah, just just go to Joshua Aaron on YouTube. Find you'll find me on YouTube, Joshua Aaron. And my website's JoshuaAaron.tv. JoshuaAaron.tv. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much Thank for being you. on the show today. What a, what a blessing. What an honor. Absolutely. And we are excited to see how God continues to use you and your music. Blessings. Shalom. Thank you.